0: Got three people down there. The ball's up in the air. Caught! Touchdown! Caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. I think I like my Colorado sway. Cuz when I minute play, I don't really I don't really know just how to a and when I minute go. You know I'm acting bad. Holly did a with my Colorado sway. Welcome into the DnBR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado Exos. Uh, I'm Henry Chisholm. Today we have a couple of things to talk about. Um, I thought today would be a good time to go back and, first of all, look at ESPN's post-spring rankings. Like their top 25 for the next college football season after spring practice. Um, Colorado is not in that top 25, but there are some other teams in there that are fun to talk about. And then from there, we can jump over to ESPN's FPI, their Football Power Index, which is basically how they do their power rankings for football teams. And those actually, I think they dropped them maybe like two months ago, a month ago, something like that. Uh, but they update them, and uh, we haven't talked about it. So we'll jump in, see what it says about Colorado, Colorado's chances to make a bowl game, to make the playoff. Uh, well, those, those chances aren't great according to ESPN. Um, but yeah, and that's the plan. If, if there's time left, then we might jump in with um, a story from The Athletic uh, from a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Andy Staples. And he basically just wrote about what needs to happen to fix the Pac-12 um, through kind of the lens of everything that's happening right now with them looking for another commissioner and that sort of stuff. Um, so that's the plan for today. Should be a good time. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you a little bit more about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, the Colorado XOs. So, the Colorado XOs are a rugby team that play, of course, in Colorado, in Glendale. Um, they share a facility with the U.S. national team, and the idea is to take athletes from other sports, teach them how to play rugby, and then get them onto that national team, which trains in the same building. Uh, so far, in their first season, they're five and three. It's a solid start, considering they have a bunch of guys who've never played rugby before uh, it's a cool thing they've got going on obviously we're right in the middle of the season so jump over to the dmvr rugby podcast check that out uh you can follow DNVR rugby on twitter and then also read the written content at the DMVR.com. okay uh so let's jump into this um kind of interesting i actually hadn't read through this previously so when it come out this is this is a week ago the espn had their post spring top 25 rankings and it's uh it's mark Schleybach's um rankings number one and we'll fly through a lot of these um but just kind of spend a couple minutes on the, the ones that are relevant um number one though the oklahoma sooners it's interesting um honestly like you just expect to see bam up there Anytime I don't see Bama number one, I'm like, huh, really? I'm not sure if I buy this. Um, It does make sense considering, you know, of all these top teams, very few of them are bringing back their quarterback. Um, Obviously, that includes Bama with Mac Jones moving on. Oklahoma has Spencer Rattler, uh, did a lot of good things last year, could be a first-round pick next year. And on top of that, they have, like, all the things that have always made Oklahoma good. You know, Lincoln Riley, I guess, is a big part of that. But just a, a pretty solid squad around them. So number one, you've got Oklahoma, which always interesting. Number two, Bama. Three, Georgia. Four, Clemson. Five, Ohio State. Six, Iowa State. Seven, Texas A&M. Oh, I forgot. See, I was looking for Pac-12 teams. Forgot that Texas A&M is actually uh, one that we care about. Um the reason why, of course, Colorado is going to host Texas A&M at the Broncos Stadium at the beginning of next season. Um, let's read what they have to say about Texas A&M. Like many college football playoff contenders, Texas A&M is also searching for a new quarterback after Kellen Mond, a four-year starter and the program's all-time leading passer, departed. Sophomore's Haynes King seems or sophomore Haynes King seems to have a slight edge over sophomore Zach Calzada after the spring with the competition figuring to stretch into preseason camp. Both players look solid in the spring game. King completed 16 of 31 passes for 211 yards and a touchdown with an interception. Calzada threw for 253 with a score and a pick on 19 of 40 passing. The more pressing concern for the Aggies this offseason is rebuilding an offensive line that was their biggest strength in 2020. All-America guard Kenyon Green is the only returning starter, and he's moving to left tackle. Tennessee transfer Jameer Johnson, the projected starter at right tackle won't join the team until this summer with a new quarterback and rebuilt offensive line. The Aggies figure to lean heavily on tailbacks, Isaiah Spiller and Devona Kane and an improving defense in 2021. I think that's what you want to hear, right? Like, like that, that's some good stuff. First of all, you, you love that they're going to have to change quarterbacks. Um, whether i mean i think it's possible to find somebody better honestly but uh just going through that transition is a good thing for the opponents of that team um on top of that of course colorado plays them early in the season uh, i can't remember what the exact order is is it i think it's week 1 is definitely northern colorado after that i think it's minnesota and then texas a&m so by that point the the whoever the quarterback is will have a couple of games under his belt, but maybe not all that much experience. I'm going to pull up what this Texas A&M schedule is to start the season. Um, but yeah, and on top of that, to have the offensive line turning over, Colorado's strength is its defensive line, its defensive front, that front seven, wh- whatever you want to call it. Um, because obviously you, you've got Carson Wells, you've got Nate Landman blitzing, and then you've got a, a solid group in front of them. Losing Mustafa definitely hurts, but, you know, that's that's a matchup that you really like. Um, is Colorado's defensive front going up against um, uh, what should be a pretty new look for Texas A&M? Um, on top of that, like they mentioned, Isaiah Spiller, one of the best running backs in the country, if you can, if you can shut down that running game, which will not be easy to do. like there's there's a reason they have the sixth best odds to win the national championship, uh, then you, you force one of these quarterbacks who hasn't played all that much to throw the football and you know, I, I, I think you have to really, really like that. Oh yeah, and, and so there's the schedule too. So color, or sorry, uh, Texas A&M opens the season at home against Kent State. And then the next week they play at Colorado. That's, um, I, again, this is, this is how you would want to draw it up. If you're Colorado, um, you, you would want to see Texas A&M play a team that they're going to whoop up on. You know, they're not going to get many real reps and then hopefully kind of surprise them because maybe they do get a little bit complacent after, I don't even think it's complacent. If, if, Complacent would be nice, but I don't think that's going to happen. Just because so many things are going to be new for that team, um, that's why I think what's more likely is they just don't realize that that offensive line has some flaws in it. Because you know, you if, if you're Texas A&M, you you can line up basically whoever you want, and and push around a team like Kent State. That isn't true with Colorado, especially right now. When you again look at what Colorado's strengths are. They're Carson Wells. They're Nate Landman. And then from there, you know, Makai Blackman is probably up next. You're getting close, though, to Terrence Lang and Jalen Sami. You know, so I do think that I'm excited for that game. That's what I'll say. I'm really excited for that game. It's going to be, it's a big opportunity. And we've talked about this a lot, but not just for Colorado, for the entire Pac-12. If they can knock off Texas A&M, early in the season that that changes how this conference is viewed um we can move along though let's make sure there's nothing else no that's good on texas a&m from there you got eight north carolina just weird to see honestly uh nine cincinnati maybe equally weird to see and then you get to the top pac 12 team at number 10 oregon um oregon does doesn't lose all that much they, uh, I guess they lost Tyler Shuck, who went to Texas Tech. Um, but outside of that, not, not too much. Uh, oh, let's actually read what they have to say. Um, they start by saying the Ducks' potential quarterback controversy seemed to be settled when 2020 starter Tyler Shuck transferred to Texas Tech. Anthony Brown, a former grad transfer from Boston College, Didn't see action until the final two games of the year, throwing for 164 yards with two touchdowns, running for 40 yards with two scores in the Pac-12 championship game, and against Iowa State in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. The Ducks have recruited exceptionally well under head coach Mario Cristobal, and they should begin to reap the benefits of those classes. New defensive coordinator Tim DeReuter, who replaced Andy Avalos, the new head coach at Boise State, Inherits a unit that is arguably the most talented in school history, at least according to ESPN recruiting rankings. In 2019, Oregon signed number one defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau, potential number one pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, also signed number two cornerback Mikhail Wright, number five outside linebacker Mace Funa. And the next year, the Ducks signed number one inside linebacker Justin Flo, number two cornerback Dante Manning, number three inside linebacker Noah Sewell and this year's class included number 2 cornerback Avante Dickerson. Yeah, I mean it's nothing too groundbreaking in there. I mean, we've known that they've been landing some pretty big name guys as as they should, you know. It's a program that has had success, maybe not uh, the the top level of success, but they've gotten pretty close to it. Um and especially in the last 10-15 years, you know, they've really transformed themselves into a an an iconic program and maybe not quite a program at this point um, that that you expect to be competing for national championships every year. But five, six, seven years ago, it did feel like that's what was on the way. Um, and, And so it's not a surprise to see that they're getting all these guys. And that's without even bringing up Nike and their facilities and all that stuff. But I think, I think that they, kind of got on the money this is a really really talented team you know I don't think losing Tyler Shuck is that big of a loss I think that he was a solid quarterback he was somebody who if you put him out there you're not going to be disappointed all that often you can you can find better though um and I think if you're wanting to compete for a national championship you want to find better um I don't know if they actually have better though. And that's going to be the big question. You know, obviously this is a team that is, is more about the trenches than quarterback play. I mean, you even think back to when they had Justin Herbert, they didn't, they didn't really unleash him. It was still like a a running team. When he was throwing the ball, he was throwing the ball under center off of play action. I'm not too worried about the quarterback situation for them. Like, obviously if things go wrong, that could doom their season. But they want to run the ball. They've got all those little running backs, CJ Verdell, Cyrus Abibi Lakio, um, Travis Dye, you know, and, and they've got that big offensive line. It, it'll that line has undergone some changes. Um, but I don't think there were any this offseason. It was the year before where they lost five starters. Um, so you lose five starters, and then uh Now this next group, I think they might be returning all five. It doesn't say in this, this write up, but yeah. And then on top of that talent on defense, I think, I think Oregon at number 10, that's solid. I would, I'm honestly a little bit trigger shy to put PAC 12 teams in the top 10, but I do think that that's probably where they fit in. Number 11, uh, Indiana 12, Notre Dame 13, the next PAC 12 school. USC. Um, Yeah, let's again, let's just start by reading what they have to say. Trojans might return one of the better rosters in the PAC 12, but if they can't block, it might not matter. Quarterback Keaton Slovis is back for his third season as a starter, along with four starting offensive linemen, top two rushers and nine players who caught a pass in 2020. The defense brings back 18 of its top 21 tacklers from last season uh, whether the Trojans are a legitimate Pac-12 championship contender and potentially the league's first college football participant since Washington in 2017 is going or is probably going to come down to one critical area. Can the offensive line protect Slovis and establish a running game to take pressure off of him? Last season, USC ranked last in the Pac-12 and 120th in the F- FBS, averaging 97.3 yards per game. Those must be rushing yards per game. Um, Clay Helton fired offensive line coach Tim Drevno, replaced him with air raid disciple Clay McGuire, who worked with Mike Leach at Washington State. The early results weren't great in the spring. USC's quarterbacks were sacked eight times in the spring game, including six times before halftime. One sliver of hope, tailbacks Vive Malipei and Stephen Carr averaged 5.2 yards on 16 carries. We talked yesterday about Stephen Carr. He's actually in the transfer portal. So, there goes that one little bright spot right there. I do. I mean, he's a, he's a good running back, and some of this is personal preference. I do like Vavé Malapei better. I I do, and I think that if he takes a step forward, he he's um, he's one of those little running backs who just bounces off of guys, you know. To me, when I think watch that style of runner, I think back to like C.J. Anderson with the Broncos when he was at his best, just kind of like a bowling ball. Now, Vevey Malpey, not quite as bulky at this point, but I do think that when you watch him and you would have to think that the coaching staff see this as well, you do think maybe he could fill out just a little bit more. And I do think that that's kind of the natural progression for a running back like him. And, and that's why I think that there's another gear that he could get to as well. But going back to the offensive line, you know, some of this stuff, you know, being last in the Pac-12 in rushing yards, like, yeah, but also that's, that's USC, you know, that's, that's who they are. That's what that program is, is a program where you throw the ball a lot. You know, you have Graham Harrell who ran an air raid offense and they don't run an air raid offense, but they run something pretty close with a lot of air raid concepts So I'm not going to knock him too much for not having running game at the same time though, this is football. And how often do you actually see a team like, especially like compete for a national championship when they can't run the ball? Because when you play teams that are as good as you and as talented as you, you have to be able to, to, to run clock and, and give yourself an advantage by running the clock. Um, And if you get down to those, you know, you're, you're up 10 points with 10 minutes left. And, and from there until the end of the game, you're still just throwing all these short passes and one in three, or maybe even more hitting the ground. It makes it tougher to salt games away. And I think that that's, that's been a problem for USC the last couple of years. Um, So I don't know. I, I, When you look at the number, like they're averaging the least rushing yards in the Pac-12. It's like, yeah, of course they are. That's not what they do. They're a passing team. At the same time, though, do passing teams really win? And in 2020 in football, it seems like, I guess 2021 in football, like it seems like the answer to that is absolutely yes. But I still do think that you probably need at least a little bit of a running game late in games. And and. I think that they'll have that at least enough to be able to, to compete for a PAC 12 championship. I don't think they have it in a way that would mean they could compete for a national championship, but I do also wonder about that offensive line because I think that that floor is pretty low because they struggled last year too. And, and that was with Elijah Vera Tucker kind of playing that anchor spot at left tackle. If, if you're starting to give up sacks from that spot, on top of the other issues that, that that offensive line could have, you could see how that could become a very big problem. And, I mean, this this is, again, who USC is. Like, they want the, the flashy, skill guys. Maybe not the big, bulky guys in the trenches. Very different from the way Oregon runs its program. Um, but, yeah, USC slides in at number 13. 14, Iowa. 15, Another Pac-12 team, Washington. Um, Yeah, let's just jump in. The Huskies were dealt a couple of big blows during spring practice when star pass rusher Zion Tupuola -Tupuola Fatui ruptured his Achilles tendon and will be sidelined for six to ten months, putting his availability for this coming season in serious jeopardy. The junior from Pearl City, Hawaii, had seven sacks and three forced fumbles in only four games in 2020. Promising outside linebacker Layatu Latu—that's a Laya, Laya—I think yeah, that's right. Layatu Latu was also forced to medically retire from football because of a neck injury. Uh, Washington's quarterback battle also seemed to become a little bit clear during spring practice, as O'Brien, a Colorado State transfer, battled sophomore Dylan Morris for the number one snaps. Huskies coach Jimmy Lake seems content to bring fe- freshman Heward. Let's see, where are these first names there? So Sam Heward, Patrick O'Brien from CSU. We remember him. And, uh, oh, yeah. Huskies coach Jimmy Lake seems content to bring uh, Sam Heward, the number one pocket passer passer in the 2021 ESPN 300, along slowly. This is tough to read. Uh, Washington added three more players to the transfer portal. Um, receiver... Jalen Polk, Polk, Jalyn Polk, um, as well as defensive back Brendan Radley-Hiles from Oklahoma and defensive end Jeremiah Martin from Texas A&M. So there you go. Um, I'm honestly surprised Washington is up this high. You know, ZTF, Zion Tupuola-Fatui, he's very, very good. Again, though. When is he going to play? And if he does play, that changes some things. You've got a, a good secondary. You've got a good defense, but Dylan Morris was not all that impressive last year, and Patrick O'Brien, when he was at Colorado State, even less impressive last year. Um, we'll see how this shakes out, and then I guess it's one of those things where you just expect Washington to be good, like however it happens you expect washington to to figure it out because you know that they'll be good in the trenches they'll have a solid defense that won't make mistakes they do have um they do have some some pieces missing but they have some upside there as well some guys who can still make splash plays so i don't know there's it, it surprised me and i thought i honestly thought arizona state should be in front of washington